That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Force Radio, the Batman and DC podcast with no limits. This week we are Bat Force Tom in California. Cheers, everybody. The Grumpler in New York. No. Dunk also in New York. Salut. And I am Robin Cross in Canada. And this week we are joined by a pair of guests who happen to be married. I mean, to each other, not just to other people that wouldn't be worth mentioning. Known as a best-selling romance author who is delving into the world of comics, beginning recently with Chapter 6 of Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red, and continuing with this week's Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn, she is Katana Collins. Hi, thanks for having me. And well known to anyone listening to this show as the creator of the Batman White Knight universe itself, he is Sean Murphy. Hey everybody, good to be here again. I think this is my fourth time hanging out with you guys at least fourth or fifth or yeah. seventh or something yeah you've probably beaten scott snyder for how many times you've come back yeah suck it scott <laughs> <laughs> scott please come back uh, but how's life been guys now not both of you have to tiptoe around it like you can't say anything bad about the other one now <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no, that will not yeah, hold her yes. back. It's about me on record. I'm just going to assume that Katana's going to answer every question first because she's the headliner here. Mm. Oh, well, I like that. Um, wait, what was the question? How are we doing? I don't even know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, answer any way you want. <laughs> I mean, it's COVID. We're hanging in there, you know. Yeah. This is her first comic book podcast ever. Yeah, but oh, yeah. You, you you guys aren't inexperienced, though. Uh, you did your own podcast. We did, like, So, yeah, you fully know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> a handful. We did, and we kept butting heads because I like to push the envelope as far as things to say, and she likes to play a little bit more conservative. And uh, I would try to make it a crass joke, and she would get mad and stop and like re-record and delete it. And I realized our our brands were slightly misaligned. Uh, yeah, our brands are very different. <laughs> I'm but very not like, in the bedroom. Disney princess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we were in the same room, we'd high five. <laughs> yeah, we're recording from different computers because um, we don't know how to share a microphone. <laughs> we're really not tech savvy like the fact that we even attempted our own podcast was just probably a terrible idea like, 
even now I'm sort of I have a microphone, but it's I don't think it's on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess it's on. <laughs> or or on, that cup, cup attached to a string that I sent over is working. Can, yeah. So Katana, are you uh, excited to meet your? So you have a bunch of romance readers and erotic romance people that follow you, but you don't have yeah. any comic book people that follow you yet. No, not really. I mean, you know, a handful that I think have crossed over from just talking about the new Harley book, but not many, not many yet. You've, um, you've had people, because when I don't respond to people on social media, they'll, they figure it out to write to you and you will respond. Yeah, <laughs> those are the smart people. Like, they, they, they learned even like well before I was um, writing any sort of comic, they uh, would maybe like DM you and cause you, you especially don't really know how to use Instagram. <laughs> like you, there was a time I have to tell the story cause I think it's really funny. I posted an Instagram story and Sean replied to it <laughs> and, and he replied to it as though it was a comment that everyone could see. And he was like, hell yeah. Am I right? Everyone. And I was like, everyone, you just sent me a message. You dumbass. I'm pretty <laughs> like, sure everybody can see you. Shana. Pretty sure my comeback is going to be viewable with the whole world. And I had no idea. It was just one-on-one when you responded. Uh, so, yeah. does, so does that mean that I'm not the only one who gets random pictures when Sean's drunk? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I'm sure. Sending you one right now. Yeah. Ooh. Um, so yeah, there were a handful of of people who were um, and are uh, artists and and creators in the industry who maybe had sent Sean a question in the DMs, but Sean didn't see it or didn't respond. Um, and so then they would DM me, knowing that I was his wife and. Um, and you know they were so far everyone's been like really nice so I've I've made some some nice friends in the industry that way. <laughs> made friends with like, my friends, people yeah. I was trying to actively ignore. <laughs> well, they. <laughs> could you ask Sean a question for me? <laughs> they don't start with that. Usually they start actually talking to me, which is nice, and then eventually they would slide in a question or two for Sean. <laughs> I, when I joined Instagram, I didn't know this little arrow at the top right that you had all these requests. So I had like a thousand requests lined up and a crest apparently a request is anything from like someone mentioned to you to someone who actually writes to you or someone like, I still don't really understand it. I just know to like <laughs> delete all every now and then. Uh, and even uh, my niece who wrote me, apparently she no, was I know upset. Where mine went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. It's not personal. Actually with Grumpler, it just really was personal. <laughs> yeah. You literally like didn't respond to your own niece. And she, uh, at Christmas, like a year or two ago, she was like, Uncle Sean, how come you're not responding to me? Whatever, kid, I'm busy. The <laughs> 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 nice thing is when you get to my level of comics, people just assume you're always slammed. So if you don't respond, they never hold it against you. And there's plenty of times where I've got nothing to do and I'm just yeah. deleting emails, little, without even responding. And it's little awesome. do they know you're actually just on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm busy playing Hunt Down, bitches. I can't respond to everybody. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Animal Crossing. That's oh. Colleen. That's, no, that's what I play. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there's plays, the first one. She plays all the girl games like Luigi's. Mansion and yeah. Duck Duck Goose or whatever I it is. 
Animal Crossing is for everyone. <laughs> it's just a happy place to be. <laughs> it's for everyone who wants to date a girl. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's uh, try to get somewhat on track here. Uh, Katana, I wanted to ask your origin story. Like, What got you into... Uh, onto the path of becoming a writer like what what was the inspiration what uh, what made you decide you wanted to do that oh um overall writing I I always loved to write when I was a kid I would like make my own storybooks and I would attempt to illustrate them they were terrible um and I started writing a little family newspaper called the Katana Crier um where i would just Wait. whoa 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 how come i've never heard of it i don't know i've, I've put it in many sure i wouldn't have asked you out if i had known this about, about your past if you don't but, know um, now you know and like i would make my family pay for it because like i can't just give it to, for them to, for free so i would charge like 10 cents to my dad and my mom and my brother and my sister and um but realistically like when i really started looking at writing was in college and um, I needed a final like extra credit class to graduate. And uh, the only classes that were available was a creative nonfiction class. And I signed up for it because I like writing. And um, the professor of that class, who was Heather Dune McAdams, she's still a good friend of mine and a good mentor. Um, she, a, a week or so into the class, asked me what my major was. And I was majoring in photography at the time. And uh, she was like, why are you not a writer? Why are you not writing? You're really good at this. And I just never realized that that could be a viable career option ever, 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 ever. Did I think that could be something that you could make your living on? And um, so she really helped me figure out what I wanted to do. And um, eventually I wrote my first book, which was a paranormal erotic romance that sold to um a publishing house so my first book sold in a three book series this is uh so you worked at a publishing house first though right katana yeah so one of the things when i when i decided i wanted to sit down and actually write a book i wanted to write a book that was fiction i took a an internship at a publishing house to be able to sit in on the meetings and see like what they were buying and why they were buying it and what they were rejecting and why they were rejecting it. So sitting in on those meetings, it was, I want to say it was like pretty much right around the time of 50 shades of gray. And, um, so they were just buying every erotic romance that they could get their hands on. And I was like, I like romance. Like I, I used to read Harlequin romance, you know, under the covers, with a flashlight that were my mom's books that I stole. So like, I loved romance and I was like, I bet I could do that. I could do that. I love that genre. And that's what inspired me to write my first one. Uh, the, uh, the self publishing your own book seems to be the key for a lot of people. You, you're not the first person to tell us the story of that. Uh, that was how Marv Wolfman uh, got started you know before he was a, a famous comic author he was producing his own zines and like he had like a there was a comic one like superheroes there was a horror one you know he had this whole series that he was putting out and he was actually the first person to ever publish Stephen King oh wow 
before you know before Stephen King was anybody. Yeah. I didn't know that about Marvel. I didn't that's, know that. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Hmm. Now, uh, I want to jump forward quite a bit now because we're specifically here to talk about the work that the two of you are currently doing together. How did the two of you meet? Hmm. Um. <laughs> oh, that, there's a little giggle there. <laughs> it was we, uh, we a we met long a, time ago. We met on September 12th, 2001, the day after 9-11. The day after 9-11. Oh, wow. Jeez. We were in Savannah, we went to college, and I was in the art store buying supplies, and she was there. I remember putting on my resting bitch face, which is what I used to do when I saw a girl I thought was hot. Like, I don't know what to do. I'll just act angry. And it, I guess it worked. I guess it worked. <laughs> which is weird, because I am not an angry person. I am a very happy, bubbly human. Um but yeah, we were in line at the art supply store for our college, and I was right behind him with my two girlfriends that I had just met. And um, I I guess I was very... She kept yabbing on about bubbly. photography <laughs> and all that. And she was so bright and bubbly, and I was just like sort of angsty and ang- I'm like, oh, fuck this chick. Like, yeah, she's hot, whatever. I'm not into blonde girls, so whatever. I'm just going to say what's on my mind. So I turned around in line. I was like, you're a photography major. Well, <laughs> photography is not really art. You're just like taking pictures of what God created. Yeah, he, his, his <laughs> nagging game was you're on right point. I, yeah. dude, so, you know, there's a couple cards you can play when you're hitting on girls. I was really good at like the scoundrel card, the negging, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't man. say it with that much vehemence, though. Like you were, you were a little like... <laughs> more like sarcastic in how you were saying it because then i was like oh okay mr artiste like what is it you do and um you wouldn't really answer that question (laughs) i didn't want to tell you i drew comics because i knew that wasn't (laughs) (laughs) it must feel really nice up on that high horse of yours and um so eventually like you said sequential art and i was like okay i don't even know what that is and i was hoping like i hope she doesn't know this is comics i hope she doesn't know this is comics (laughs) it's like how hipsters today refer to comics as graphic novels because it sounds cooler than saying comics back then like it it wasn't cool you would never get laid because you were a writer we're involved with comics it's something that you were ashamed of So well, I said sequential art, thinking, well, she won't know what that is. And her fucking friend did. And she ratted uh, me out. She's yeah, like, oh, you like, just draw a comic, comic book. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, well. <laughs> and that's how it began. <laughs> and Sean hates that hates that friend to this day. <laughs> no, yeah. our, our niece is coming to stay with us for a month. She'll be here later tonight. She's actually the daughter of that person. So she's still in the uh. club. <laughs> and uh, she's, she's great, but I, for the, for effect, for storytelling, you guys, I have to make it sound like I'm. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was that was a better story than I even imagined it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we met when I was 18. Wow. And I guys, know. I was I was creating this. I, I, when I met her, I was wearing sandals with socks. Oh, jeez, oh, oh, yeah. yeah, I overlooked. Not that. proud of that. Pulled off a miracle. <laughs> it wasn't like that. the kind of sandals that splits the toe. Because I had a friend who used to have a sandals like that, and he would still wear socks. I had like cool, you know, off-road sandals. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm yeah. not trying to justify it. With toe socks. <laughs> Those like Velcro sandals from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My credit. I was there to get supplies, not pick up chicks. So I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's okay. I was in overalls and like braided pigtails, and I probably looked like an infant. So oh, yeah. we both had <laughs> we both had our fashion faux pas that day. Yeah. And then later on in that week, uh, I was in the rowing team, and we went to a rowing party, and I was the captain of, <clears throat> of the rowing team. And uh, I accidentally introduced her as Diana, who was this other girl on the team whose phone number I also got. And I was so thrilled that uh, Katana did not get mad. And she sort of let it, sort of laughed off. All right. (laughs) Uh, Some people don't call me that. (laughs) So I kept putting my foot in my mouth, as I tend to do, as you guys know me. And uh, she goes, well, what happened? I go, well, I got Diana's phone number the same day I got your phone number. I actually got three phone numbers that day. <laughs> and she goes, oh, well, I was obviously the I last phone number. clearly the last one. And that should have been my out. Like, I should have just said yes. But like an idiot, I had to be honest and go, actually, you were the second phone number. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Ugh. I appreciate the honesty, though. And yet, I still close a deal, everybody. <laughs> so you were wearing socks and sandals and got three numbers. I have that much game. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Drawing comics. Yeah. It's funny, because now I have friends that draw comics, and they put that shit on Tinder, and they actually like uh, meet a lot of people because working in comics gets you laid now, whereas when I was a kid, that was a deterrent, if anything. <laughs> my friend's like oh yeah i met this girl like she only responded because she saw i was working at marvel i'm like you are you son of a bitch you get to tell people to draw comics you actually get laid because of that i had to hide that shit well yeah com- comics are such a different thing like I-, I work at a shop here in canada and uh, there was one day i could see well it-, it happens all the time but one day in particular i could see on uh we have like, security cameras because we have two floors so we have to be able to watch wow. people upstairs so um there were these girls that came in that you know I didn't recognize and they were wandering around obviously didn't know where what they were looking for or anything so I'm watching them when they go upstairs what they're doing and one of them is pretending to flip through uh, a long box of back issues from the back of the box so she's seeing like the the ads on the backs of all the comics and right. like, what the hell and then I realize what she's doing oh she's on that side cuz the lighting's better and her friend is taking pictures of her <laughs> I'm gonna lose you. Oh, there we go. I lost uh, connection. There you go. There you oh. go. Well, are we still recording? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's just a really, really bad connection. Yeah. Okay. You hear me? All right. Well, let's uh, continue. Where were we? Oh, yeah. That's what I want to ask next. Uh, we sort of answered it already, but I wanted to ask uh, again to Katana if you had had prior interest in comics before the opportunities like this started coming um i the the short answer is yes <laughs> the long answer is um i i was always a little hesitant just because it seemed like it was so much in Sean's territory that you know there's always kind of the the fear of you know, nepotism um and whatnot, but <laughs> sorry. But I mean that is what it is, right? Like I, and I, I like comics. He was actually the first person to introduce me to Batman the Animated Series, which is when I fell in love with all of the Harley Quinn episodes. Um, and 
the first comic he gave me to read was like a little indie book called uh, Love Love Story, True Story. No, True Story. I swear to God. True yeah. Story. Swear I, to God. I, I, a love story. I, th- I, th- I thought you were going to say he gave you punk rock Jesus. No. <laughs> no. Punk rock Jesus wasn't even a blip on his radar back then. This was no. like, he was um, just was... a little little baby still in undergrad <laughs> at this yeah, point. I hadn't even done Wearing sandals and socks. Wearing socks in like Savannah, Georgia, for the record, which you do not need to wear socks in Savannah, <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> like, it is hot and humid. Um. So, yeah, like I, I had an interest in in writing comics, um, but I always felt very nervous to enter enter that world. Um, she's been coming with me to shows and stuff for a while and seeing my career unravel. And um, when we got married, it was. Uh, I was poor, like I was still barely hanging on to comics. Sorry, no, when I moved to New York from L.A., yeah. so when we, we, we lived together, so I was just starting to do Hellblazer, City of Demons. I hadn't got Joe the Barbarian yet. I was a bad bet for any <laughs> girl looking to marry a guy. Like, I was not a good bet. Or go um, with fashion sense. Well, at least I had the socks, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I remember had... you were drawing Star Trek when you first, when we moved in together. Yeah. Because you were, like, trying to get um, Patrick Stewart's likeness. Correct. Yeah, so I moved in. I was living in Hollywood. I moved to New York to be with uh, Katana, and she had a 600-square-foot uh, studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen, super tiny. And I yeah. set up my drawing studio, and I w- had to draw the Star Trek book for the Borg. And uh, I was you know, working on that while we were looking for a bigger place. And uh, it wasn't until a few years went by when I got hooked up with Karen Berger, um, and I got an exclusive contract to do joe the barbarian and doing joe was like that's the first time i ever made like a consistent living wage in comics um i think it was like 60 or 80 a year somewhere in between i don't know like i I vaguely remember doing the math thinking this is amazing um because up to that point i was making like twenty thousand a year just or even less actually so it was a huge boost for me and um we could afford a bigger place um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, that that first apartment in Hell's Kitchen was so small that, and because you needed um, one of the three rooms we had for your studio, we had a bedroom that we could only fit like a pull-out couch in, and every night we would pull out the bed to go to sleep, and every morning we'd put the couch back in so that we would be able to walk around the apartment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. And but, we had you know, two dogs. We had two big, like, lab mastiffs in that tiny apartment with us. Yeah, geez. Very crowded. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's, I've, that's... I've a, my career in comics, I mean, I've I'm, you know, made it to the big time now, some people would say. But <clears throat> before that, I had, like, eight years of, like, poverty-level living and sleeping in dumpsters and just really hard times. Like, I was ready to quit and get a job application to Best Buy like a handful of times over the years. And it wasn't until um, like 2008 or nine when things started to look actually stable. And uh, even now, like, you know, I, I'm happy with where I've risen, but I always have one foot out. Like I'm ready for the bottom to fall out at any time because uh, I don't know, it's just that mentality isn't healthy, but it's sort of just the way I was for so long and it helped me survive and be careful and spend very little money. 
Um, although I don't spend little money anymore. My wife, wife can attest. <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A is the Datsun. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. It's a company <laughs> car, Colleen. Our accountant, said, <laughs> our accountant said, just buy a car, keep it under 50, and it's a company car. So I bought a car under 50, and then I put like another 100 into it. <laughs> <laughs> Crafty. It's a right yeah, not true if any if any irs people are listening but that that's sort of uh fitting that you said the the first time you started making a comfortable living in comics was on joe the barbarian and in joe the barbarian you were beginning to draw characters like batman and gray ghost in there yeah and now look at where you've ended up yeah man i didn't think i'd ever be able to draw batman so when Graham Morrison wrote in the script uh, that Joe has all these toys that come to life, I'm like, great, let me just check, get my checklist out. Like, I want to draw Lobo, <laughs> I want to draw Superman, Batman, blah, blah, blah. Because clearly, you know, I'd never get to do that again. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I guess it turned around. Yeah, and now, fast forward to today, the two of you are working on a, on a comic together, and it also includes Grey Ghost. Right. Does. another so, one of my favorite characters <laughs> who came up with the so in harley quinn uh the spinoff series that katana's writing we uh, have a gray ghost cam not just a cameo he's actually active in the plot and i don't remember who came up with that was it you or me mm, i don't remember either well who came up with a, a serial killer that was going after hollywood golden age that was definitely me Cause, so it, it might have been me yeah. who said, "Let's you have her go after ghost. Simon yeah. Trent." Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was probably you who mentioned Simon Trent, um, because I was so obsessed with the idea of this like Hollywood Golden Age killer. <laughs> yeah. So you know, people buy this, they might think that uh, Katana and I wrote it fifty-fifty. It really is like 80-20, 80 being on her side. Um, <laughs> when I when I when I told DC what I wanted to do, I'm like, yeah, I want to do spinoffs. And you guys are looking to for to hire diversity. Well, I've got a you, you love hiring women. Well, hire my woman. <laughs> that way, money still comes into my house. And she's it's not like she's unqualified. She's been a, a successful writer, an Emmy Award winner for years, so she knows what she's doing. And I thought, well, if I could just take like a day, a month off, and teach my wife how comics are a little bit different and sort of manage it in a way and guide her in, then maybe I could turn her into the next white knight writer basically, and just sort of keep the torch going while I work on other things. And it's so, really a formatting difference. It's, it's just yeah. a very different format of writing. Um, that yeah. like, and I had been reading a lot of your scripts for years and like, not, I'm certainly not, I haven't written any of your prior scripts but like I've read them and I've like helped you with dialogue and stuff like that so like I I kind of yeah. already knew that format a bit yeah like I went to I had some touchy subjects that I went over in White Knight with Harley being a victim slash survivor and mm -hmm. I had to kind of um confront some difficult subject matter there because I didn't want to piss off you know, male, female readers, you know anybody that has gone through any kind of trauma like that so I, I would run by my most touchy monologues i'm like hey you know katana can i read this to you what do you think like here's harley here like she feels this way but she's kind of a victim too like am i going to get outraged if i have her say this and you know katana would help kind of 
uh, rework it with me or tell me that it was fine and I was worrying too much or whatever. So I would have her to bounce my ideas off of for a while. Um, so, you know, in, in that time, I was showing her Batman the Animated Series, showing her the Harley Quinn episodes because those are the ones that spoke to her most. So when it came to do a spinoff and I thought, well, let's do a Harley spinoff and let's just hire my wife. And she's been prepped for this one way or another. So let's just try it out. So, yeah, DC went with it. And uh, it's it's so sort of a uh, uh, go ahead go ahead. No, I just so Katana, what, what's what's the difference between like like writing for comics and and writing novels? Like like, mm. like you you have to in comics you have to direct the artist. Or? Yeah, I well, and I I think that this probably varies a lot depending on who your artist is and and what your relationship with that artist is. Um, Mateo is. I mean, as you all probably know, he's so wonderful. Um, and he doesn't require a lot of direction at all. Um, in fact, some of the the best tactics that we can use as writers with someone who's that talented is kind of giving them the space and the freedom to let their art do a lot of the storytelling. Um, but the big difference I found just with prose versus comics is comics are a lot more like uh, like writing a screenplay. Um, and there's so much about it that that you kind of have to define things in a very distinct moment to moment versus when I write a book, I can take all the pages I want yeah. to describe how beautiful the wall <laughs> is or whatever. And like, no, no, <laughs> like you can't do that shit in comics. <laughs> like move on. <laughs> like he'll draw how beautiful the moon is. You don't need to describe it in, in a monologue or anything like that. Um, mm. So it's a bit of a mindset shift and so much. So of you the, actually have to dial it back a little bit. Yeah. Oh, way back. Even like my dialogue. I, I think because I also come from an acting background. I've been an actress since I was like eight years old, and um, and so I'm really good at the dialogue stuff. But I tend to get a little too much. I tend to to get too wordy, and we have to like really tighten that up. Yeah, it's been funny. I mean, the the interesting. It's been interesting trying to teach what I do to Colleen. Sorry, to Katana. It's okay. I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> Actually, wait. This might be a good opportunity to get this yeah, out of the way right now. We said we would touch on that. So who wants to who wants to take that one? <laughs> All right. So Colleen Katana, you're my wife, but your, your pseudonym with erotic romance is Katana Collins. Yes. So yes. you decided to bring Katana as your writing name into comics rather than your real name. Yeah, I mean, it's easier um, because I'm already a best-selling author in romance. So it's oh. we really like kind of debated this a lot of like, do we start over or do we continue right. the pseudonym? And as I was kind of telling everyone earlier, I um, I created the pseudonym, you know, way back when I first started writing because when I was writing, I still had a day job and my day job was working with a lot of children. And I like worked in preschools and I worked at hospitals and in like the, the NICU unit. And, um, and so it didn't feel like, I felt like I needed to separate the two worlds a bit. And that's why I created the pseudonym. 
And yeah, so even like I, Mateo always calls me Colleen on podcasts as well, and it's fine. We're not super secretive with my real name. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not your secret identity. You know, no. we're not we're not calling <laughs> Superman Clark Kent here. <laughs> no, I don't wear glasses as my like, little hidden. But it would fool everyone, as we know from reading Superman comics. <laughs> but Katana is her real her real last name. So when correct. you changed it to Katana Collins, some people thought you were hijacking Asian culture or whatever, but you're not yeah. because that is for real. Like if anything, you're yeah. hijacking the Collins. <laughs> yeah, well that yeah that's that's I mean I'm not, you're not hijacking anything, but like yeah, Katana is my real um, my real name. But but I was correct in my assumption that uh, your you being named after a sword had something to do with Sean's attraction. Yes, obviously. <laughs> you know, her dad, who, as far as we can tell, we did a 23andMe on C- Colleen. And she is, you know how most white people in America have some Native American blood in them? Mm-hmm. Not my wife. She is as yeah, white, no. whitey McGee as it gets. Trace back her lineage. She goes back to um, Eastern Europe, to Czechoslovakia. Apparently... Katana is a surname in Czechoslovakia. The the way her dad describes it is he thinks that he has an ancestor who used to make swords in Czechoslovakia, but I'm going to call bullshit on that. (laughs) So my uncle uncle used to tell us this tale of like my great-grandfather, like Zeto Katana or something like that, who, who would make is like who learned how to make katanas from someone who was from japan and i'm pretty sure that's a whole lot of horse shit that he, he was just a blacksmith <laughs> I, right, like i i don't know it it seemed like why a can't it be a whitesmith bro tall. <laughs> <laughs> it it does make a cool story of uh you know it's true <laughs> of descendancy you know whereas a couple hundred years from now, someone down your family chain is going to be telling the story of, yo, one of my ancestors drew comics and wore socks with sandals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. My, my, my surname is Sandals. I had a father <laughs> in Ireland who used to make sandals out of raw metal. <laughs> oh, they see the metal part made that sound too cool, though. I know. That's why I threw it in there. <laughs> Storytelling, everybody. <laughs> So, uh, skipping up to now, uh, this uh, doing a Harley story next in the White Knight universe made perfect sense, given everything that came before, uh, uh, from the end of Curse of the White Knight. So, uh, coming up to now, we, we're going to see the returns of Neo-Joker, obviously of Harley, Poison Ivy, the now slightly older children uh, of Harleen and Jack Napier that we met in Curse of the White Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, the introduction of Grey Ghost from Batman the Animated Series uh, coming into the White Knight universe. But now we also have some new characters that are coming that uh, you guys created just for this. That's correct. Um, Sean, do you want to tell them a little bit about the new characters? Ooh, so um, I sort of had Asriel murder a <gasps> lot of bad guys in the last <laughs> volume. Spoiler. Gosh. Sports. Yeah, so he kind of cleaned up Gotham, and that's the irony. Is uh, and we'll get on this, get to this in volume three. Is maybe Asriel did do more for yeah. Gotham than Batman ever did. Yeah, he made Gotham great again. Yo, oh, man. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Rooftop. Let's get into it. Ooh. So, uh, 
so Gotham is kind of experiencing a quiet moment. And, you know, Batman's gone off to jail for 10 year sentence or whatever it is. And it's sort of the story. All these spinoffs are, is a story of um, what would all these characters be like if Batman was in jail? And it sounds like, like Batman's their most valuable character. Why the hell would you do a Batman book where Batman's not even in it? And that's a good question. Um, but we're trying it out anyway. We've got the, the Harley Quinn one going on because she's such a huge character. And no one out there is doing a story with Harley like Colleen is, where she's got kids, she's struggling with postpartum depression. Um, you know, she's uh, the Gotham City Police Department kind of needs her help because, you know, whatever her past might be, whatever her sins are, she has gotten closer to super criminals than anybody else history has. So she's kind of like, the, the, the idea for me was let's pitch Harley Quinn as a mind hunter in a way for anybody mm-hmm. that's seen that Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of where the impetus started. And I think that Colleen and I were talking about it casually. And then I eventually was like, well, why don't we pitch this? Why don't I tell DC? Why don't we do spinoffs? Why don't you just write under, you know, my thing and I'll get you hired and we'll see if they go for it. And uh, I guess they did. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about it, um, there's, historically speaking there are people who've done their done their crimes and they've paid their time in the prison system and um you know catch me if you can kind of comes to mind of someone who was a criminal and because he was a criminal um he's able to help catch the people who do what he did and not as good and if there's ever anything that was established in i mean i think in probably most Batman universes, but certainly in White Knight, it's that Harley is a very competent, very intelligent doctor. You know, regardless of the fact that she's lost her medical license, it doesn't take away the fact that she is she's essentially like one of the top in her class. She's a she's a genius. She is a really good doctor and a smart woman who made some bad choices. And now she's beyond those choices and she's on the other side of it. So it makes sense to me that the GTO or um, Gotham PD would kind of be soliciting her help a little bit. So this this kind of sounds like like the FBI or something going to Ted Bundy for advice on serial killers. Yeah, Yeah. she's not Ted Bundy, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the thing that, in my universe of Harley, what makes her work is she can't be complicit in murder. She can't be tied to Joker if he did anything horrific. When, uh, when, you know, with White Knight, the the biggest thing I was asking people to accept is Let's pretend the Joker never really got caught murdering anybody. Let's pretend that this is like the 60s Joker where he's just this like wacky goofball. I mean, it's not clear exactly what he's done. Because that's the only way you'll be able to believe that he would ever convince a jury that he was innocent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So take given that, I, you, for Harley to work, she's, she could be his girlfriend. She can be sucked into a bad um, you know, love triangle with his two personalities. But she can't be that criminal. So the the out for me was when Joker tried to kill Jason Todd. That's when she pulled the plug and said, I'm done with this. This is too far. Like, I thought I could love Joker like I love Jack, but I can't. And now I'm going to do the right thing. So there is a bit of retconning to do as far as the mainline Harley versus my Harley. And it is interesting as we try to go back and rewrite timelines because yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how comic books are able to do it so cleanly over 70 years. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, like there are things I would love to go back into volume one and two and change the tenses on a few words just to make it fit better. Um, But you can't really go back. And and I don't know how like anal a lot of readers will be with that stuff. It's yeah. Comics uh, have a way of uh, people forgiving and forgetting as storylines go on. Like if Robert Kirkman can write Negan murdering Glenn in issue 100 of Walking Dead and then by issue 150 Negan is sort of a hero you know yeah that's any anyone can be redeemed the, the animal comic fans point. are on Twitter so yeah, yeah. you're not on Twitter so it don't matter <laughs> that's funny because uh Fuck you, could, Twitter. Co- Colleen will ask me like well would readers really believe that and I go yeah the rule with comics is if something is sufficiently cool then they'll believe the science. If, as long as the payoff is there, you can write whatever bullshit science you want, and readers will be like, yeah, okay, sure. But if you actually translated that script word for word into an episode of Law & Order, no fucking way. <laughs> There's something about it being a comic where it lowers the bar of uh, acceptability. Well, there's a bigger suspension of disbelief. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah. That's why you're the writer and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> As you addressed uh, in Curse of the White Knight, Azrael killed most of the uh, the villains. Like everyone who was who was locked up, he just wholesaled all their asses. So uh, can we assume that that left uh, a vacuum uh, in Gotham's crime that uh, that led to the emergence of the new characters we'll meet in Harley Quinn? Yeah, sorry. So I didn't answer your question from before. So, yeah. yeah, so there is a vacuum. again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there's a new uh, character in town called The Producer. And uh, in this series is his first appearance. He's basically like a flamboyant Broadway uh, producer who wants – he sees Gotham as a stage. The stage is currently empty. And he wants to repopulate it by casting new actors, new villains. So you've got the producers, the first appearance. You have Starlet, who is the female lead for now. She's like a 1920s Zelda Fitzgerald type uh, knife thrower murderer. And uh, she's kind of the um, the antagonist for, for this book now. But we plan on working the producer into every spinoff that we do. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, because I and I don't even think I thought of him as an idea as I had Azrael killing all these people. Um, but given that we needed to do something, I thought, well, OK, Gotham is pretty empty right now. It's pretty quiet. This might be a good growing period for Gotham. However, what if a guy arrives? He thinks it's a shame. He wants to make Gotham as wonderful as it was. He's like a murderer in the Technicolor Dreamcoat or something like that. <laughs> So it kind of worked out. So I feel like any series that we do that's a spinoff, we're going to have a new villain, which I think is cool for collectors and just for a writer sense, too. Uh, I, I've always admired Neil Adams for owning a piece of Rachel Ghoul. So I'm like, I want to own my own Rachel Ghoul. So we're going to kind of throw a bunch out there and see what sticks. Well, <laughs> you left awesome. us a little choice because you killed most of them. <laughs> 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 you had to do it to Baby Doll, even. Even to Baby Doll. I, uh, I, 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 you know, when I had him kill everybody, I had him kill everyone I didn't want to draw anymore. So I'm like, ah, oh, Roxy Rocket. Like, I don't know what to do with your fucking rocket. You're dead. Uh, Two Face. Yeah, I, I like Two Face, but he's been done. But like, I hate drawing Scarecrow. I hate drawing. I just had him murder a bunch of people I didn't want to draw anymore. I didn't think of it as going through all the villains. It was mostly just me being lazy. 
And with mm-hmm. every volume I write, I in my head, I genuinely think well, this is the last time I'm ever going to write Batman. So I don't write it thinking I'm going to get on volume three. I think, well, this is the last one. He's just going to kill everybody because that's it. And then when I get to the last issue, I'm like, well, maybe there can be a sequel. And that's kind of what's happened a few times in a row now. Yeah. <laughs> When I remember our first tagline for the producer was, it was something like, um, if actors go to Hollywood to make it, then villains come to Gotham to make it. It was something like that that we had created, right? Yeah. Which, ironically, I don't think we ever used that in the script. Maybe we should have had that in there. (laughs) Yeah, Colleen, way to go. (laughs) And I dropped that ball. (laughs) That's like the first page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, 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 it can just be printed on the uh, trade paperback. Yeah, that'll be the tagline on the, on the paperback. Working with Colleen, it's it's so weird, like having to explain like why a, a cutscene has to happen during a page turn. Like that's just something that I've accepted for decades, and having to verbalize why that's important is really hard. And some of the things I thought were carved in stone aren't. Like when we started out calling, I was like, oh, yeah, you can never do this, this and that. And then here we are doing this, this and that. And I'm like, OK, well, I guess some of the rules can be broken. Yeah, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like sometimes I'm, like when she writes uh, action scenes, she'll admit like she hates writing them. She just writes, oh. hey, Mateo, here's three pages. <laughs> people are punching each other. Yeah, I'm like, Mateo, there's a fight scene. Have fun. <laughs> Make sure sounds... this person wins and their hand lands near this knife. <laughs> right. So there's something that's that, awesome though <laughs> to <laughs> like a, an artist like, yeah exactly you know to me or mateo like we do that shit up but some artists they really want the camera angle they really want really? six panels and they want like guy climbs up a ladder and he kicks the guy in the face like they want all that stuff it's it's kind of strange and wow, i mean we yeah. don't know maybe mateo hates that i write like that maybe mateo <laughs> maybe. was like on this podcast last week like oh my god fucking yeah. Satana. yeah and we, we, were hoping, we were hoping you wouldn't hear it yeah. <laughs> i tried to be a nice but she's so she's so shanky <laughs> doesn't write this a good action scene she expects me to think of it myself uh, yeah thanks mario she gave me no direction <laughs> wow that was a good accent I like how we're still allowed. Do we have anybody who's Italian here? That would save us. Well, well, we're allowed to make fun of Italians a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) They sound nothing like that, by the way. Whatever. I I actively employ an Italian. I'm allowed to make these jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) Is there anything that um, that, uh, Catania... uh, was there any like suggestion that you had that Sean was like, no, I can't fucking draw that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, the egg roll. Ah, oh, the fucking egg roll. What? <laughs> All right. What are we talking about? <laughs> so wait, you guys have read issue one, right? Uh, not yet. No. Oh, I, I thought you guys no, got yeah, a preview or whatever. Oh, shoot. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they haven't oh, uh, yeah. gotten back, on, back yet. Yeah. We've actually received our shipment uh, at the shop, but uh, I haven't gotten around to uh, pulling a copy out of the uh, out of the boxes yet. No problem. You know, it's all right. Some people take podcasts seriously. Some people don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just read ours online at midnight when they go on to those like uh, those uh, websites that we get them for free. We don't pay for them. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, Colleen, uh, tee up the egg roll thing then. 
Well, I, okay, so there is there's a scene where Duke comes and visits Harley and he brings her um, like takeout and the egg rolls are in the takeout and they kind of get in a little spat and I wanted to have her throw the egg roll and hit him in the face. And Sean hard, hard vetoed that. He was like, absolutely not. Duke cannot get hit in the face with an egg roll. Duke oh. is stoic. He doesn't like Bat. Duke and Batman are... are all have a lot in common where i just don't imagine duke would get hit in the face with an egg roll for comedic reasons so i said well the egg roll can go at him but it has to miss and she worked with that and she wrote that it misses him and then he goes you miss me and harley goes i meant to so th- there is still some humor there yeah uh and it, as i was it, reading it this morning i'm like man duke totally could have been hit with an egg roll what was i thinking <laughs> I'm going to hit you in the face with an egg roll. <laughs> we need pictures. Uh, at the time, it seemed like I was right. <laughs> yeah, as is most things in the heat of it, right? Like, don't we all feel like we're right in the moment? <laughs> uh, now, now the next time you you try to argue with her on something, she's just going to say egg roll. Egg roll. Yeah. Egg roll. Like code word. Yeah. <laughs> That's Although funny. I would say that was a good metaphor just in general with how working together is and should be because it was like we we had differing opinions, but we found the compromise. And the scene still really works very well, even without yeah. him getting hit in the face. So right. it's a good uh, illustration of both how our marriage <laughs> works and how <laughs> our working relationship works. <laughs> That's funny because I thought I thought it was more of like the technicality of drawing an egg roll, like you didn't want it to end up looking like a dick or something. It was, it was more of just like, yeah. in the face by a flying yeah. wiener. It was more of like, yeah. a, of the character, of the character's like personality was what the issue was. Yeah. It's funny. So there's a scene now in issue two where we have a flashback and we, Colleen, Colleen describes where pudding came from. You know how Harley calls oh. Joker pudding. pudding. And uh, we have a, a scene where they're at a carnival before Jack became Joker. They're, this is like way before they met as Joker and, and Harley. Um, and they were at a fair and he's eating pudding and she makes a joke about pudding. And that's kind of like the backstory of where pudding comes from. However, uh, Matteo drew ice cream. <laughs> no, in Italian, they have pudding in the language or whatever. So the other yeah, night I don't we're think walking, they have snack packs. <laughs> like, well, pudding, and it, does it have like a, a frosting out. on it? Like, could we somehow fudge this? Like, I don't want to make Mateo redraw ice cream into pudding. And uh, <laughs> we eventually come up with like, eh, fuck it, just leave it. Who gives a shit? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn. Or a cup? Yeah, I, I wonder. It looks like soft serve ice cream. Like, there's oh, no way around. Uh, it does look like ice cream, but it but could be in pudding. Cup? Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're t- it's in a cup. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're you you think your readers are, are smarter than they are. We're stupid, Sean. <laughs> so if it's in a cup. That's what I told that- <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that, that's sort of a cultural thing because uh, like in the UK, pudding is just what they call dessert. Right. Oh. So, yeah. Our UK readers will be fine with it. They'll get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the so. I find that um, I'm sort of in a manager position to a lot of these books. So I, I want my editor to be happy. I want to take her suggestions. I don't want to egg roll my wife and tell her no. All the time. <laughs> I don't want Mateo to have to redraw. Like I want to be a good boss, so to speak. Yeah. And that's partially why I got, got off of Twitter is like, ah, I'm a, a leader now. I got to just avoid drama and try to be Mr. Easygoing. So I'm just going to get rid of this. 
Um, so like when my editor suggests something I don't love, normally I'll say, well, I'll see what the team says. So I'm trying to be like a good guy to work with, but it kind of is my universe and I don't want to have to put my foot down and have everyone walk on eggshells. Like I don't want to be that guy unless it comes to egg rolls. Then when, yeah. When it comes to egg rolls, you're like, <laughs> fuck it. Food <laughs> in general. That's what you draw the um, <laughs> there are also times well, absolutely not. that like he's you know Sean's like reading through one of the drafts of the scripts and like there's maybe a joke I wrote in that he in the moment he like just doesn't get or he doesn't like and <laughs> sometimes I'll delete it sometimes I'll be like no no I think we need a second opinion like a lot of times the editor is also our mediator <laughs> where it's yeah. like, she's our Maggie. marriage counselor we need Maggie. a wow. referee to weigh in yeah like Maggie <laughs> I like this joke Sean does not it does it stay or does it go <laughs> and like she's and kind of wow the kind of yeah good for you <laughs> Yeah. And I'll write to Maggie. I'm you like, you know, yours. we could have hired any women to work on this. Why do we have to hire the one that I'm sleeping with? Clearly, this is nepotism. Whose idea was this? <laughs> and luckily, oh. my editor laughs because she knows me by now. <laughs> and she doesn't have a Twitter. <laughs> no, it's funny. I was. Imp- it sounds condescending. I was so impressed by some of your one-liners, Colleen. You had a joke about strippers that I thought was great, and I didn't think you came up with it. I thought it was an old joke I never knew, but you actually came up with a great stripper joke. Well, it might be an old joke. I just <laughs> I didn't. It's not like I like didn't search for a stripper joke. So on at, at the Google. beginning of uh, <laughs> issue one, Carly is on stage dancing for Jack. She's not a stripper. She's a go-go dancer, and uh, one of Jack's crime buddies makes a joke about a stripper. Jack goes, she's not a stripper, she's a go-go dancer. And then one of the other uh, thugs goes, hey, guys, oh, Colleen, why don't you do the joke? Um, oh, uh, hey, guys, what? Wait. <laughs> oh, know. my God, you're killing it. You killed, you killed the vibe. <laughs> why are strippers like rocks? That's you, right. skip, you skip the flat skip ones. the flat ones. That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? a good fucking joke for a comic. Uh, uh, I read that, I'm like, that's pretty clever. And that was actually, didn't you have another joke, Colleen, that they thought was too aggressive and they made you change it? Yeah, I don't remember what it was, though. But I, yeah, I had another joke that was much more um, risque. And <laughs> from the, she's from the erotic romance world, so she's used to making all kinds of bad, you know, yeah. uh, off-color remarks. And when I pitched her the idea of doing black level, she's like, oh, great. I can say whatever I want. You can show nudity. You can show Batman's penis. Great. It's a free for all. <laughs> and then the rules kind of changed. Yeah. That was not okay. <laughs> Wait, so what, how, oh, how, far, could... how far back were you thinking of uh, this partnership in your head? Uh, a year? Okay. Maybe. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Probably, uh, yeah, at least a year, because I want to say it was Comic-Con last year, maybe even yeah. earlier than that. Yeah, I remember going... It was going... like New York Comic-Con, or prior to New York Comic-Con that we were talking about it, I think. Yeah, I was there with Colleen, and I remember hanging out with Blake, and getting Blake into parties, and helping her meet editors, and whatever. <clears throat> and I think I probably told Blake... I want to try to get my wife hired. So I'm, I'm sure I had the plan back then. Yeah, I think because we had like we had watched Mindhunter earlier that year and we loved it. And we like started hatching this idea of yeah. what if Harley Quinn was like Mindhunter. Um, right. And that was prior to New York Comic Con. Wow, what a genius idea. It's like because 
I, I I like the idea, but how do you do that? But keep her Harley, if you know what yeah. I mean. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the trick. Is like, how do you have her confront all these really savage, grotesque things, but still kind of have a sense of humor? Like she's obviously not bouncing off the walls and making jokes like Deadpool, but she still has to have a little bit of Harley somehow. And I'm not really yeah. sure what the answer is. Maybe yeah. it's a it's a darker sense of humor where it was like jovial before but you know like when you go through war when you see some crazy shit like it just turns into a really dark sense of humor yeah. and sometimes it's only funny to you and that's like the joker like it's only yeah. funny to you like mm-hmm. after a while god i'm a genius yeah. that was amazing write that down <laughs> <laughs> steel that's it's a it's the nice part uh of the depth that this version of harley has you know she has her history with jack but also her history of scaling back what what joker was doing she has the relationship that she has with batman slash bruce and what we see uh coming up you know in the recent stuff like in um the uh the short of the harley black white and red yeah. uh she we see the relationship that she now has with leslie Tompkins and uh with renee montoya mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and I think it's really interesting, too, because um, I think that everybody in life has like their roles that they've taken on. And around certain people, you sort of play up certain aspects of what your role is. And Harley's in this really weird place right now where she's now a single mother to twins and her role has completely flipped on its head. And she's um, we've talked a little bit about the fact that our version of Harley in this is she's kind of suffering from a little bit of postpartum depression and not really knowing who she is in this new world. Um, but her fallback is still to be the playful, jovial Harley, but she doesn't quite know how to be that anymore. So it's like, I think even when you are depressed and going through something, I think that we still all kind of have our role that we're like haha like this is what i do but yeah. then when you're alone or the person walks away you just kind of crumple and sigh yeah. and like you don't allow it's... the people to see the depression as much as you try to keep faking the fact that you're still harley i'm still jovial i'm still funny so yeah it's, yeah, it's like, a... like a volume control isn't it i mean i mean if that doesn't make sense stop me but like depending on who you're around, you kind of turn yeah. it up, you turn it down. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's also like I feel like this is such a great time right now too for this book to come out with people like who might be um, uh, really kind of resonating with like that concept, you know, because yeah. you know you depending upon what kind of field of work you're in, your world is completely changed right now, and you're expected to kind of carry on and be the same person that you're supposed to be, but maybe you've lost your job, maybe your job is completely different, and like you know how do you how do you still become the person that you once were and yeah. tackle all these crazy things it's like this is like perfect timing for that kind of stuff to be uh picking at your brain yeah yeah you know it's when we uh for volume two i remember telling them i, I wanted harley to be pregnant and uh my editor said no don't do it <laughs> and i said they said well what if she has already had kids and you skipped her being pregnant and i'm like what like why let's let's have her be pregnant. Let's show like a lot of our readers have kids. Like I, I you yeah. know, I was surprised that I got so much so much resistance. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in hindsight they would agree that it all worked out. But um, you know, if I was pressed, if you asked me, do you think a Harley Quinn story where she has got kids would appeal 
the Harley Quinn people? I would say no. But I think that, on the other hand, I know why this works. It's because no one's ever done a Harley Quinn like this. Right. And I think there's a way to handle her having kids. Like, you're not doing a depressed mom story. Her kids are literally riding around on hyenas like they're little tigers, (laughs) you know? Like, there's a nice, cutesy, fun Harley twist to motherhood that makes it work. Like, I don't think... The comics, let's be honest, like it's mostly straight white guys reading comics, right? Do they really want to read about Harley dealing with her motherly problems? No. But I feel like there is a story there where they would actually be very charmed by it. And I think, you know, female readers, of course, I think will be all over this, too, for many different reasons. And then the other part of getting Colleen involved with this was I feel like there's got to be a way to cross-pollinate her previous career with this career. You know, like, hey, fellas, you want to come up to our table and buy Harley? Well, guess what? My wife wrote this, and she also writes erotic romance. So maybe your wife wants to read this. Maybe afterwards she'll read Harley. Maybe you could, you know, whatever. Like, let's all read the same things and kind of see what happens, you know? I think, Sean, I think you hit on a good point there. Like, in terms of motherhood, there is an element of, you know, Harley Quinn to being a mother, you know, and, yeah. and, the, and the shenanigans, especially if you have two at the same time. The shenanigans yeah. that go on in your house, like, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like, riding hyenas around is the, is the least of your, you know, <laughs> problems. <laughs> no, they fought me on that too. He's like, why would her, she do, do they have saddles? Like, what if these kids fall over? And I'm like, guys, <laughs> Mateo draws like animated Don Bluth style. You can have in that style, you can have little kids riding on, and these hyenas are basically people that can't talk. Like, these hyenas would never allow a baby to fall off and get hurt. These hyenas would, like, die for these kids. And there's, like, a certain amount of... Yeah. Like, this detached uh, humanity to all of this that I don't think our editor saw quite a way. But now that we're getting the art back in, it's like, oh, yeah, these kids should totally ride hyenas. In fact, I'm going to be bugging Todd to release an action figure pack where it's Harley, two kids, and, like, two hyenas, so... Yeah. I think um uh one of one of my favorite pages that I saw and this is going back to Curse it was uh, uh Harley was pregnant and like Batman's like fixing like the the crib uh, the the crib and I was just like here's Batman uh full blown <laughs> bat outfit with like a screwdriver <laughs> like fixing a crib for Harley Quinn and it's like it just shows like it was like more it was like it shows the humanity in both of yeah. them yeah. and uh how like they're just not heroes and villains like they live these lives yeah. outside of that and they can still care for one another and yeah. i remember like I, I wanted to buy that page so bad and i was like <laughs> i'm like damn it i can't right now but uh i just like i, I think about that page all the time it's one of my favorite oh, pages i've seen you know i i was not sure about that See, i think i probably came into the house and asked colleen about this was like batman's gonna build uh, a baby crib. <laughs> like Harley needs a screwdriver. Batman, he has a screwdriver on his belt. Why wouldn't he? I mean, like it's yeah. the most basic thing. And I'm like, well, is he really screwing in screws while he's talking to Colleen? Uh, sorry, to Harley about motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> and in between panels, the crib is literally built like that. <laughs> That's kind of the the magic of comics. Is in the gutters. Batman is somehow able to build a crib extremely quickly, and they can the scene can move on. Yeah, and it makes him like you know all the things that he could possibly do. Like Batman does all these incredible things, and then yeah. it's like, yeah, he could build a crib too. Like you know, <laughs> like here, yeah. got you. And and he didn't even make it bat shaped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That must have yeah, been hard. <laughs> I wonder, like, as a creator, like I do worry about like, ah, oh, do people really want to see a scene where Batman's building a fucking crib? Because you can imagine a bunch of YouTube videos attacking that. Like, mm-hmm. what's with what's? Why is Pussy Batman Beta Mill Batman? Why is he building? <laughs> cribs? You can imagine the dumb shit people would say. Yeah. But uh, there, there's a lot to be said for you don't know you want some you don't know if you want something until you've got it there, right? Uh, right. How many people thought they didn't want this uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie until they saw it? You know, yeah, we, we know what we want <laughs> until, until we see it. Well, Colleen, you had a great phrase for this: um, uniquely different, U- uniquely familiar, uniquely familiar. Do you yeah. want to explain that? Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, right? I mean, it's like when you take a concept that is um, like unique in its concept and its hook, but also familiar enough to to capture the audience that is ready for it and used to it. So, Colleen, has there been any, um, have you heard of, of any fans, like, from your novels that are going to check out the Harley Quinn book? Yeah. So, actually, I I just posted about it um, this week. Wait, recently. did I just use your government name? Or, or I, I'm, I'm so it's lost. okay. It's okay. You're fine. <laughs> okay, okay. We called Stop you, like, four different names night. during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chuck called you the wrong name the day they met, so... <laughs> <laughs> he just he just called Harley Colleen too, so I mean I don't know. <laughs> you know what, all these women in my life, they all look the fucking same to me. Bothered. You're Harley. He's Batman. <laughs> um. So I I just posted on a like one of the big romance groups in Facebook about it. Um, because there is a big crossover of of women in the genre of romance who love the movies and they love comic books. Um, I think that the big difference, though, is they will probably be waiting for the trade. I think that I mean, some won't some will probably go pick up the um, the individual issues. But I think a lot of romance readers are more likely to go and get the actual compiled book. Um and a lot of my readers are also digital readers. And so, you know, maybe they'll pick up the digital comic. I don't know that they're that they do that, but um, but they seemed very, very excited about it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling Colleen about the Batman bump where if you're writing Batman, it doesn't matter how good or of a writer you are, when you're working on Batman, it just increases your fanfare by, you know, X percent. And even in her uh, community where they're reading, you know, to me, Joker and Harley is like a forbidden romance, obviously. Oh, and yeah. I, I don't think it's that different than a lot of the stuff that her readers naturally read. So the question is, how do you cross pollinate these things? Um, the problem is price point is, you know, $4.99 for a book is not something that Colleen's normal customers will go for. But, you know, nineteen ninety nine for a graphic novel, that they'll do. Yeah, and I mean, again, like four ninety nine for the issue is, you know, most of most of my readers are used to like a anywhere from three ninety nine to six ninety nine, but it's for an entire completed story. Oh, um, okay. And in comics, you know, it's four ninety nine is the price point for chapter one, and uh, some some of them are comic readers, and so I think they are used to that, but some aren't, and um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. So let me ask you. <laughs> Uh, Colleen slash Katana. Um, what has been the hardest part 
of riding Harley? And then what has been the easiest part? Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. It's a Catwoman pro. <laughs> <laughs> the the hardest part, I I think, has really been how um, how much time there is between. Again, to me, I look at it like chapters, and I know for comic um, creators and readers, like you, you call it issues, right? It's not chapters; it's the issues. <laughs> yep. okay, like, we call them issues. In my brain, I, they're like chapters. It's a chapter of a story, and having so much time between each individual chapter that you're writing and like I tried to write as much of it all together as I could just to have it fresh on the brain and to have the story cohesive and um but you still have these like massive gaps in time from when you like submit the issue and then it's like a month to six weeks before you get your edits back and then after you go through a round of edits then it goes to the artist and then it's another you know month to month and a half until you get the art back and so like that I found really, really challenging and very different than how I usually create and work. Um, so does that allow for changes or does that make you look at stuff and oh, I should change this now? It does allow for changes, especially like in the wording, like the the visuals you kind of have to lock in. And once those are down, then you can rework the wording to fit the visuals if then it doesn't quite match up and you know that's also the really interesting thing about this format versus writing a book because as a writer like you can picture something in your head till you're blue in the face but like it's at the end of the day it's it's also about what the artist envisions and when Matteo pictures in his head is nine times ten times out of ten better than anything I'm picturing <laughs> So a lot of times I'm like, unless oh unless it's pudding, Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's always so much better than you think it's going to be as a writer, not an artist. And so when it comes back, and I'm like, oh, 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 oh okay. So now we have to like rework this dialogue because this dialogue fits better with these expressions that he put in there. Um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of like moving puzzle pieces around almost versus when you write a story, it's like, for me, very chronological. Mm. And it, it's a bit more of hopping around with comics. So Diane, um, are you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm just. Diane, I mean, <laughs> oh, Thank you so much, everybody, for helping me with my marriage. <laughs> um, so are you, like, are you prepared for the, the, the Harley Quinn fandom is, you know, massive, Hot topic, cosplay, whatever. Um, you prepared for that to deal with that? I don't know, backlash or good she's or bad. A, so not she's not even a, a little. <laughs> she's not on. She's not on Twitter actually. So oh, we're, okay, all, okay. we're both off Twitter. So we're only gonna meet people. So the thing is, with whatever drama is going on in comics, when you meet people at shows and they're waiting in line, like people are mostly on their best behavior and very yeah. awesome when you meet them face to face. Like. If you look at, you know, Twitter, uh, thank you. Twitter describes to you how conventions are. It seems like a hellhole. When you're actually at a show, it seems great, you know, so. Well, and I've been to, I've been to shows with you. I haven't been as someone who, like, no one's, in, no one was in line to see me when I was helping you at your booth. But I, I've seen it. I've experienced it, at least on a, a micro level. Um, yeah. 
And so I'm excited to meet readers and I'm excited to meet the the Harley Quinn fans. I am also a little nervous. <laughs> um, and only just, only it's a, a whole new world for me. It's not something <laughs> I'm used to. Um, and I'm a very, very introverted person by nature. I'm really shy and introverted. Um, so it, it's very much against my nature if I'm being you know very very gregarious or talkative when i'm out the, the trick is people are, on a game face. <laughs> people are gonna ask you like what do you think of the new batman run or what do you think of lobo what do you think of you know this <laughs> or that like they're gonna ask you things like they're gonna assume that you read the same comics they do and when you don't because i'm often in this situation you need to kind of have like an answer that doesn't alienate them so what are you yeah. gonna say when they're like just just say it all sucks the easiest thing to, to, to always say is just say i prefer the old stuff oh, <laughs> take that note down <laughs> um i'll just take the holly quinn yeah that's a, it's a really good question i don't quite know what my answer would be i am i am reading more and more comics though so i am a bit more up to date like i read um, She-Hulk, which I really enjoyed, and um, uh, what was uh, the Monstrous? I really liked. Um, right. Yeah, like so, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm I am reading more and just kind of understanding. And I did that very much as research, but then because it was also really enjoyable. And I'm a big reader, as Sean knows. Like I love to read. If I could just yeah. stay inside in my bed and read all day every day i would <laughs> what do you what do you normally read like for pleasure just to chill out kick back oh man i mean i everything like i'll read i love romance novels obviously i i really like memoirs i read um a, a julie andrews memoir that was really good um i'm reading a book right now called a, the year of living danishly which is all about a woman who um, moves to Denmark with her husband who starts working at Lego. It's a true story. And it's all about the culture differences of living in what's considered the happiest country on earth. And she's from London originally. So I read oh, all kinds of stuff. You read stuff to like learn. Uh, well, I, 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 yeah, that's like what a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Comics are about burning brain cells, not growing. I had a question about that. So, I remember probably the first time we had Sean on, he described, like, I don't know what the question was, like, what's the weirdest moment you've had in comics? And he described, um, I, I think it was at, while you were uh, drawing, um, God, what was the horror book with Scott Snyder? The Wake. Uh, the Wake. No, not Wake. Wake. It was, you did you did uh, an arc in the vampire uh, book. Is it I Vampire? Oh, Ameri American, American Vampire. Vampire. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I was American Vampire. And uh, one of the best fucking stories and and you, and you had to um i don't know if, why you couldn't make the trip or why why uh katana was like carrying your art for you but you had to go through like customs and they opened oh. up the art to look at it and it's all these fucking nazi like flags <laughs> it's like cause they're nazi <laughs> flags. Yeah. So it's all, like it was the issue where it's like all the regalia and all the flags so oh. like yeah what was, was that like for you it, uh, yeah, Heathrow, going through customs. Because yeah. first of all, you have to explain. I don't know if you did, but it's it's not like it's real. Like it's not. This isn't real. This is this is a, a vampire comic book. Like it's not like we're hailing Hitler or anything like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you remember what that was like? 
Uh, yeah. And I think it was because of weight distribution when we were flying, like we had to, to make sure that our bags were under a certain weight. So we had to take like some stuff out of his bag and put it in my bag. And, um, so I think that's how I ended up in my bag. Well, I have a lot of paper in here. They're like, (laughs) you have giant pieces of paper. Like, yeah, like 11 by 17 giant rolls of paper. They're like, can I see it? I was like, okay, oh. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Nazi drawings coming out of the international <laughs> incident. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So was there a moment when, like, because, you know, you talked about how even Sean was, like, kind of embarrassed to tell you, like, what kind of an artist he was. Was there, and, and you know, everyone has their connotations and, and ideas of, like, what comics are, but was there a moment either when, like, you were actually, like, writing it or, when you read something, when you realize, oh, like this is actually like a different kind of medium that like I maybe didn't know about or didn't know how to how it kind of like how crazy or how cool it got. I mean, he he introduced me to it when I was pretty young. Like I was I mean, not as young as I'm sure many of you started reading comics, but I was like 18 and he off with like kind of indie stuff. And like I said, that true story, swear to God, which was a love story. And he started me off with blankets um, so I don't think I really had any preconceived notions about the world of, of comics. Like, I think it was just, and all I knew was, was Sean. Like, I didn't know any other creators when I was that young. And uh, so, I, no, I don't know. I, I didn't really have that. They're all basically like me, Colleen. They drive fast cars. They work out six <laughs> days a week. You know, they prepare for the apocalypse. Sandals with socks. Yeah, they have their own swords made. Let's forget about the sandal story for now. Like, even, even when we started meeting people at conventions, like everyone was really lovely. Like I just, uh, you know, and our our experience, I felt like was really good, yeah, she, or mine she was. Clicked, she clicked with Jock really well in uh, France. Yeah. Um, she that. clicked with uh, Fiona and uh, Scott Snyder yeah. and uh, Mateo, obviously. Mateo's like a family friend at this point. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I don't keep a lot of company in comics. I, I have my close friends, like Dustin Wynn is a, is a, is a brother of mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know everybody. I have a handful of really small, a uh, small handful of friends that I like would take a knife for, no questions asked. Um, but yeah, like a, a lot of people in comics I don't know. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't do a lot of shows. I'm not on Twitter anymore, so I don't see the shenanigans that they get up to. Yeah. But when she it's... met Jock and she met Fiona, I was like, yeah, this is like, she's like, is everyone in comics like this? And I go, no. Mm. Jock is very well adjusted. He's social. He's fun. He's nice. He's clean. Fiona is like, she's, I mean, like everyone we're meeting is like, this might get me in trouble. The cream of the crop types of people. They're not mm-hmm. angry, outraged idiots on Twitter. <laughs> so these yeah. these are the cool people in comics. The ones who <laughs> aren't got like... To know those people really well. Yeah. And if I, I don't really hang out with people who are pros that aren't cool. Like I, I want to hang out with people that are nice and respectful and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I just don't yeah. click with, like, the Twitter crowd so much. So she's never really met a lot of the Twitter types, so to speak. It's for the best. Uh- <laughs> Waiting sure. for uh, Katana to meet someone dressed as the Harley that she wrote. Oh, yeah. that'll I'm be sure surreal. It's gonna happen. It'll that'll happen. Yeah, surreal. very soon. Or like well, I, if I, I if I, I meet someone who comes with their children and their their kids are dressed like Carly's kids and she's dressed like <laughs> Carly, that'll that be real so cool. Sick. Well, like, uh, there's def- uh, 
the sexy cosplayers that used to come by my table and they would dress up with whatever new character I'd drawn. And my Colleen would always see them. She's like, who are those girls? <laughs> <laughs> you get no, used to that, they're though. The you they're get used to it. She's like, all right, when you take photos, make sure your hands are where everyone can see them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. just sound advice, though. It's a good rule of thumb. That's when I worked at Disney, that was the rule. Like, if you take a photo, you have to have your hands out. Like, if, even if you're, like, hugging a kid, you have to make sure your hands are always seen in the photo. And it's, like, mm-hmm. pretty standard yeah. Disney rule. <laughs> have you guys seen uh, the Keanu Reeves photos of him taking photos yes. with fans? Yeah. When you go backwards in time, you see him get younger and younger and younger, but his hands are always right where you can see them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy had it figured out way better. Yeah, that's why he never gets in trouble. He's got the best agent. <laughs> Or advisor, whoever. Manager, whoever. Yeah. Uh, I'm just keeping an eye on the time. Uh, do we have to let you guys uh, get out of here? Yeah, we should go. We, might we get should probably wrap soon. it up soonish, but yeah. Okay. I I didn't uh, I didn't want to be the reason that someone was uh, left stranded. <laughs> She's at, at not stranded yet. <laughs> oh shit. Oh, you mean you're at the airport? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We only live 20 minutes. It's not that bad. No, and oh, she's okay. not. She hasn't landed. Um, cool. Is there anything you wanted to say, Colleen? That uh, Did you want to talk about nepotism at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, no. You're a great liner. You're one liner. You're like, because she'll say this when she's drunk, and she's not right now, so I'll say it. I <laughs> oh, great. It's like, people think that I, like, I. this is my long game. Marry a poor... Oh. <laughs> shitty comic book artist in sandals and socks when he's you know date him when he's 21 and always hang out and then marry him when he's like this is like the long game to success like if yeah. i'm seriously banging my way to the top then this is like this 20 year 20 investment year. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. i deserve harley at this point <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a fair point yeah exactly you, you, you put it in the work I, yeah. And I understand maybe the people who are a little hesitant at first, like, wait, it's his wife writing it? Like, ugh, okay. And my hope is that they look it up and they look through it and, and they see for themselves that, like, you know what? This is this is good. Like, she's she does have talent and the chops behind yeah. getting Or if this they don't gig. like it, if they don't like it, they'll be like, well, I bet she's great in bed. <laughs> and they'd be right. <laughs> which, which, yeah, to to go back to the issue of uh, possible backlash from people, I really don't think there's going to be any. Uh, the, the response to the Harley of the White Knight universe so far has been overwhelmingly positive, That's and you're yeah. giving people in this upcoming series things that they have wanted to see. Like we're we're getting Harley, who is a very functional mother but also still being a badass you know she helping yeah. you know she she still is maintaining her relationship with bruce and she's doing this stuff you know to, to, yeah. to help the gto but we're also getting like things like the flashbacks we're seeing her past with jack uh you know you you you're giving you're giving readers the moment where jack and harleen got bud and lou you know where they adopted the hyenas so you were you're giving them all of these yeah. that will be fan favorite things right That's true. Thanks, man. And I, I think it's really important to note that like this fear of backlash and nepotism this really comes from my anxiety right like this everyone so far has been really welcoming and lovely so it's just really my own anxiety that's like oh my god they're gonna hate me no you know it's it's interesting it isn't bad to be prepared for that though right they say 
you know, prepare for the worst, but yeah, anticipate the best. Yeah. The thing is, is yeah. you're not going to get any of that from the people who are already fans. Because, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Sean's stuff is is doing pretty well. So, um, <laughs> it's great. Fine. It's gonna, I'm going to buy you a pair be... of sandals, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a <laughs> but like, I think I think uh, this the Murphy verse. You know, now it's like now it's like Murphy verse because you got um, the whole family involved, but. I think the the thing about the Murphy verse is like it's really kind of created its own fan base that some some people who read this this stuff like might not be reading the current Batman stuff because it's so refreshing and it's new and it's something that people have been wanting for a while so they're they're thankful and they're looking forward to the new stuff and like if you think about it I don't think con- like the majority of the people who are reading these books are going to give a shit about your relationship to whomever you yeah. know as long as it's good stuff plus like yeah. you're a real writer so yeah. uh, you're like a yeah. real writer. So you already have the pedigree. Well, you write that. books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you read real books to right. learn. Yeah. You read comics to forget. Only you look people... at pictures and we're like, whoa. Yeah. You'll be here think... describing pictures. I think the only people are gonna have the only people who are gonna have anything negative to say are gonna be the ones who are bitter that they're not in this position. Who but that's because matter. they probably yeah. Anyway, and they probably have been given an opportunity, or maybe they're just too bitter to take the chance to like figure it out. But I don't think you have anything to worry about as far as fans or any backlash from the people who matter, and the, who, the people who matter are the ones who are buying the books that's or the reading thing. the stories. Yeah, yeah, that's who matters. The people and I don't who think matter. That's, that's a big caveat. Yeah, yeah. the people who yeah. matter don't give a shit. They just want good stuff, you know. And yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all that matters. Bitter, bitter, bitter people are going to be bitter no matter what. You know, like they're they're probably bitter because they have to wear a hairnet on their neck beard while they're at work, and you know, hey, so man. that's why they're. Uh, yeah. Hey man, well, I appreciate so, that. Colleen's had to watch me go run the gauntlet on Twitter over the years and get you know in trouble for this, this, and that. Some deserve, some not. So she's sort of like for me. For so many years, yeah. you know, every time I come in, she sees me on Twitter. She's like, "What did you do? What'd you say? What's going on?" Like her alarm goes up. It was funny. Um, I got off of Twitter. So we, all right, back. We were we're getting a new car. We, we were gonna get a new car. We had the version where we could get the puny four cylinder or the six cylinder with superchargers in it. And I really wanted the supercharger, which costs you know a lot more. Why not? She goes. You can't get that. We don't need a car that fast. You already have your Datsun. And I go, I really, why would I get the six when I could, sorry, why would I get the four banger when I could have a six? And she goes, if you get off of Twitter, we'll buy the six. Whoa. So I'm like, deal. I got off the Twitter and now I've got a car with a six cylinder supercharger. And every time I drive fast, she's like, stop driving so fast. You're going to kill us. I'm going to say, if you make me slow down, I'm going to get back on the Twitter. That was, not, <laughs> that was not the deal. That's the deal. <laughs> if you get back on Twitter, I'm selling that fucking car. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, going to get you like a K car to drive around. Like, it's so it's so such a dumb. It's like consider myself somewhat of an intellectual and to be so uh singular mind and i'm like i'm happy to be off of twitter because i have a fast car that goes real quick <laughs> i can't believe i'm that much of a fucking simpleton but it works <laughs> oh yeah how much happier are you how much happier are you that you're not on twitter much happier right yeah like it's there's just way too much negativity like you were it's just wasting toxic time. It's yeah. so toxic I, to no, be honest. Every so week, cool. I want to write a long essay on why creators should get off of Twitter. But I know if I do, then 
someone who's at this uh, podcast right now whose name rhymes with Colleen will get mad at me <laughs> and say, you're stirring up all the shit. Everyone thinks you're talking about them. Everyone hates you now. No one's going to want to be your friend and your career is going to be over. So don't do that stuff. But that's the perfect, that's the perfect, like, like uh, distraction from like the fear of the nepotism thing. So you should do that right now. And then like, get, then just like, suck, all the, suck all the blowback <laughs> off from that. And then no one even fucking realizes like, who the writer is, and then that book does fine. So you're genius, dude. <laughs> Thank well, you, everybody. That's not my wife. No. Well, the, the, the best thing is just, like, not to pay attention to it. Like, I think um, Joe Rogan talks about it all the time. He'll post something yeah. and not read the comments. Not read the comments. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. Like, I know what I'm yeah. doing. I'm doing the right thing. Do what you guys think. Still so, making uh, 90 million. Like, you I'm guys a, are... I'm a massive Joe Rogan fan, and uh, it's funny. I'll play it for Colleen every now and then, and she'll get a little miffed. But I'll play an episode from like ten years ago, and he used to use the the R word a lot. You know, yeah. Right? And yeah. that's not a word I would use freely anymore. But I keep prefacing no. it like Joe Rogan is like the smartest meathead ever. Right. And even though his earlier stuff, he did this like he doesn't do that anymore. Like you're watching Learn. him evolve each time, yeah, and that's yeah, the context. He's yeah, and and yeah. he tells you that he'll say that he's like, I'm nothing more than a chimpanzee with the ability to write and read. So I will read everything that smarter people put in front of me, just so I have. Yeah. And it's true. It's like yeah. he has has he's found a way to block his ego and just allow himself to learn and it's yeah. it's the best yeah. thing you can do yeah. don't read yeah. the comments don't read the comments yeah he yeah doesn't. absolutely don't read the comments i mean and getting off of twitter it, it sure it's probably it's not for everybody i'm sure some people get what they need out of twitter but for us especially i mean we have we're two people with two different types of anxiety that we suffer yeah. from and like twitter was just feeding that anxiety yeah. in a way that like i think that We've never been healthier since yeah. getting off Twitter. Yeah. Like, so like but wait, what, but, Colleen, but why, what's your? Why is that though? Why? Why is that? You're off Twitter, and what? And and why are we healthier? Is that? Well, I mean, what what I'm getting at is what I was, I was gonna ask Sean. Actually, like, it, it sounds like he's off Twitter and he's actually allowed to be himself. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> no fear. With, with no fear of backlash. I mean, yeah, that's I, when, when you're on Twitter, right? it's like, well, I have a platform. I'm one of the top people. Should I weigh in on this? I mean, you know, what's the point of making it if I can't try to sway public opinion in small, even-handed ways? And that would be nice, but it is Twitter, and people are just going to attack you for whatever. So, yeah, I feel yeah. like trying to be the level-headed one in the room that's just going to get you attacked because like oh you're not on a super you're not on a radical either side even though i'm a super liberal i don't read that way the way i tweet so people would just attack me for whatever they could find and it's like all right you know what i was trying to help but fuck you guys now i'm going (laughs) bye congratulations by the way you also (laughs) don't know because like on twitter it's like you could be like 12 year olds being idiots and it's like uh, you, you either go back at a twelve-year-old. You don't know. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Twitter is not the final word on life. So. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that was exactly how I felt. Well. I was like, well, and I get, and yes, for a lot of people it is, but truthfully, Twitter's at least in in my life and how I want to live, it's not real life. It's not. It's, it's not my universe. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. um and just in general, I feel like we both became happier, more relaxed oh, yeah. people when yeah. we just let go of that balloon 
You know, yes, like, let go of the balloon, and immediately there was a big sigh of relief. Just okay, like that's yeah. that's not yeah. our burden anymore. There was yeah. a there was a point I think when it was a definite tool. It was a good tool <clears throat> to use to build um, to build an audience, to build a foundation for like networking and and marketing yourself. And uh, at some point in the last like five years. You know, it, because of the way that they handle the algorithms now, and it just doesn't yeah. really push things out as much. So it didn't be that tool wasn't really as needed, but people were still on it. People are still on it. But mm-hmm. the thing that it, like, if you build your audience and and your audience comes, you have your audience, you grow it. Now you have established yourself. You don't really necessarily need all this marketing. The longer you're on there, it's just the longer it, it's just you're waiting for something to happen. Yeah, and that's, a, yeah, that's built, a good point. Like, yeah, like I, you I built. Was, I'm sorry. No, yeah, I was just saying, like, you've built your audience and you've gotten to a level and a point where you're going to have fans regardless of what you do. They're going to follow you because they like your work. So yeah. The, yeah. there's no more need for for Twitter as a tool as it was used. No. Um, it, there's a lot of people out there who still need it because that's their only way of remaining relative because yeah, they're not 100%. getting this consistent work. So they, they need to have that voice and they need to have the yeah. millions of comments responding to them. Yeah. And um it's yeah. just like, uh, Frank, you know, like think of like Frank, Frank, Frank Miller doesn't fucking use Twitter. Frank Miller doesn't use Instagram. He's so right. fucking old. Like he's yeah. so goddamn old, but like he, he Frank Miller can, he's only Frank, 60, by the way. <laughs> Jesus, dude. But I mean, damn. But, but he's I mean, going he, in on Frank. He can We're piss. never going to get him on the show. Right. He, he can like piss on a side. He can piss on the side of a, of a, of a wall of, of a board or a building and people will still want to look at it. You know what I mean? I just, like I've seen that Batman cover. Yeah. He could wear socks and sandals and nobody would say anything. Exactly. Oh, he lives in Hell's Kitchen, so he probably yeah. has. But yeah, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not going to like put the specific of what I saw, but you know, and I'll, I'll tell you when we're not, oh, we'll wait till we're not recording until I saw, I'll say this, but you know, whatever. Um, great that you're not on Twitter. It's amazing. It's fantastic. And I got a story to explain a little bit more of my point on why I really think that, that Twitter is great for certain instances at a certain point though, like, especially like I, I work in a field of mental health. It's not very good for people who have uh, significant issues of mental health that need attention because they're getting the wrong attention and it's giving them a false sense of uh, fulfillment that it's going the wrong direction, you know? I was was able to, you know, back, I forget what year it was, back when the New 52 or whatever, I made a bunch of friends and we would talk about comics and, and, you know, that would be that, you know, we would have conversations and then... uh, I don't. I didn't get off Twitter, but I just checked it less, and it became something totally different. And what I like to call a cesspool, uh, you know, <laughs> which is what it is now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, years ago, I guess the New Fifty Two is ten years ago. Or I don't know. I've been reading comics so long, but um, yeah, I mean, back then I was able to make friends, but now I, I, man, I, can't, I can't see how you would go about that, or yeah. If you deferred on a on an, an opinion or a viewpoint, yeah, like yeah. you've made an enemy, pretty much. It's, it's yeah. a weird mm-hmm. space. What's nerve wracking to me is when going. If I go to a show, and I'm a paid guest. They flew me out. They paid me an appearance fee. I work my ten, twelve hours. I made money. I'm go, now I'm relaxing. I'm going to the bar, and that's the bar where everyone else, all the other pros are at. You can Let's feel people like tensing up when they see you you can feel them wondering what was the last thing sean tweeted 
Was that something that pissed me off? Was there like, what is it? About? And like, you just see them doing the math, and it's like, I'm just trying to get a drink. Can we all just yeah, fucking yeah. calm down? And then, you know, the idea of mental health, like I, I agree, and I don't, I don't think everyone in comics necessarily has mental issues, but I don't think being at home alone, working in a vacuum, is healthy. So whatever you know issues I have as a person, I can speak for myself, is only made worse by the fact that I'm not in an office with a cubicle going to Christmas parties and like things that like keep me in check. So like I get mm. to say and do and wear things without being challenged. And now I go to a convention or I get onto Twitter and like, of course that backfires because I'm not properly vetted as far as how to deal with other humans. And I think that that's what we're seeing in on Twitter is and I said before, like wizard comics made professionals look cool. And then Twitter yeah. revealed the truth about us. Hey, we keep fucking keeping you guys longer than it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, my bad. I go on long too. It's on me. So thank you so much for. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. This was great. Yeah, next time, uh, so... Colleen on by herself, and she can shit talk me even more. And my my go. fashion. <laughs> That's what we're waiting for. And about egg rolls. (laughs) But uh, what 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 we do have to do in the future? I I should have reminded uh, I should have reminded Colleen about this. One of my uh, greatest wishes for this episode was for her to find a passage from one of her novels to make Sean read. I I should have reminded you about that. (laughs) Next time. I did too. He 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 got off the hook this time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, too bad. Uh, it'll it'll just be even worse next time. We also we also didn't do the lightning round. We've done it with Sean. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Sana comes on. But uh, for now though, uh, October twentieth, issue one, Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn, uh, by Katana Collins, Sean Murphy, Mateo Scalera, Dave Stewart. And colors on the uh, covers also by uh, Matt Hollingsworth from all the uh, White Knight books. So get out there and pick up your copies. And, uh, you yeah, know, man, don't tell them on Twitter it, what you think. If you read it, no, if you read it, <laughs> tell us what you know. If you hate it, let us know on Twitter, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout in but, to the void. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this, guys, especially since you were uh, on a schedule tonight. But uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy. Uh, happy birthday to Sean. I hope you guys have a great time this weekend. Guys, thank you. Thank you. And we will talk at both of you very soon. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate all your hard work. Appreciate it. Thank you.